you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's up? And you got to be a fantasy freak or geek to be listening to us right now, and I appreciate it. I love it. James Go here. You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We got the magical beard of fantasy. Matt Franciscovich, what's up? I'm here. You're here. You're Again. living. I'm living. Living day to day. That's right. Okay. Day to day. Don't know where my next meal is coming from, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, boy. The WizKid from Wisconsin. <laughs> Alex Kelhar. What's cracking? Uh, not too much. Uh, got to the theater last night, which is always good. Okay. Saw some office Christmas party. All right. Fun. Cheap night at the theater. I'm a big fan of that. You getting hyphy for this uh, for this Green Bay, New York game? Uh, I'm trying to not dwell on it too much. You know, it's not even close to the weekend yet, so I don't want to start my emotional <laughs> tilt, but uh, be in full force on Sunday. My, oh, my father and my sister are going to the game. They texted what? me. Supposed to be in single Dude, dude. that's yep. nice. No way. He swung his way into two tickets, and uh, the two of them are going to go. Oh, that's dope. I know. Yeah. I'm super jealous. Okay. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, what's up? Uh, did you hear? Um, USC run the Rose Bowl. <laughs> uh, my timeline was just so annoying. I'm sure it was for you. It was the most annoying. I'm sure it was annoying I mean, for you. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, epic meltdown, no question, by Penn State. One of the worst. I mean, is it the worst? It's the worst. Come on, dude. You're up 21 points and just completely. Not 20. It was only like 15 at one point. It was, yeah, it didn't get to 21. It was, it was 42-27 uh, uh, in the third quarter. I don't know that it was a meltdown because it was a back-and-forth game. The no, whole no, no, no. It was. It was but the-, the last two minutes of that game, Epic I mean, meltdown. Okay, so you know if you're Taylor McSor- uh, Trace McSorley, and you know maybe you throw one up deep and it gets knocked down. So hey, why not try the same thing the very next play and have it picked off? I mean, the the, the pass that got knocked out too. That was a crazy pass because it could have either been a touchdown or a pick six, but it got knocked down. Yes, it was a great game. But it was, it was a great game. Fantastic was, game. Got to be there in person with my paw, so it was great. I was oh, at- really? I was there. Man, you guys a, did Brian go with you too, or was he back no, home? no, no? Uh, yeah, no. My friend Brian and I, we we uh, we saw a far less exciting game on Sunday. Cool name drop. Uh, we were at, <laughs> yeah, I'm name friend. dropping my friend who lives in Chandler, Arizona. Um, 
<laughs> the, the day before, we were at Cardinals-Rams, which was far less exciting. Cardinals-Rams, oh, really? Wasn't the marquee matchup? No, no not so much. Oh, okay. Not so much. All right. All right. West Virginia's finest, Matt Harmon. What's up? Is my mic even on? Yeah, your <laughs> mic is on now. Oh, it's finally on. Yeah, I can hear myself. Interesting. <laughs> I was muted before the show even started. Oh my well, God. I caught it in one of the recent episodes. I don't, astute listeners might have heard it. Right when the music was starting one time, there was like yeah. a bump of a mic. And I was sure. like, what was what, that? What is that? And then uh, we've been done recording, and I saw it on the editing thing. I was like, oh, Harmon was yeah. taking this thing up to get a drink. So then of I was course. listening this time. It happened again. We had to restart the whole podcast. Wow. Well, water intake is important, people. You Shocking. Should be, you should be dr- I, I, if, you, if you need help on how to calculate how much water you should be drinking, you could Google it, or you could at me. Uh, shocking! Hmm. Matt Harmon's needs come before everyone else's. Right? What do you mean, my needs? <laughs> shocking! You, you could have you could have you could have had a sip of water while you were here roasting James Coe before we started the show. <laughs> well, listen. That's, I, why, that's why I needed water. a drink. Bro, was parched after so much. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but you see how much of that I clip off and put at the end. But oh James Coe uh, got subject to like a 15-minute roasting by <laughs> Franchise and Harmon. All because I came Listen, in today with a button shirt that was actually tucked into and my a band. cupcake that your wife made you. Yeah, and a lemon cupcake, cupcake and, 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 and my shoes lovely wife. and that Two. bag. Oh my the, this ju- and the watch. I mean, the watch is what just reeks of money. Oh my god. <laughs> Coming in here with your basketball money, waving it in our face. What? <laughs> waving it in your face? Check it out. Edit this. Oh I'm pretty sure you said that. That's pretty sure. Un- that's not Wow, this accurate. podcast is off the rails, and we're like two minutes Oh, my in. gosh. Listen, we got a big-time show in front of us today, <laughs> as we always do. We're going to explain Playoff Challenge. If you can't get enough fantasy in your life, and how, how could you get enough fantasy in your life? we got an additional uh, game here in fantasy called Playoff Challenge. We're going to explain it. It's a pretty fun game. Uh, low stakes, obviously, so just go play. It's fun. Uh, lessons learned. We're going to talk about some lessons that we learned during the 2016 fantasy season. What can we take into 2017? And if we're going to make one change to standard scoring, what would it be? I've got a little bit of a, a take there uh, that I'm all fired up about. I don't know why. Uh, and plus, we kind of wrap up what we've been talking about throughout the season, right? Uh, we talk about Mark Ingram. What is he, quote, on pace for? We will tell you what he finished with on the season. We'll talk about what his prospects are, the laying ahead for 2017. We'll talk about March to 1100, a.k.a. it's dead. Uh, give you a Marvin Jones update, what that means for 2017. We will give you the Brandon Lef- the super exciting, it's super marketable. Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, head-to-head competition with AJ Green out. We'll finally give you those final tallies as well. Uh, plus, it was an it, 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 I did this kind of went under the radar, but Chris Ivory, Chris Ivory, for some particular reason, Matt Franciscovich caped up for Chris Ivory. We will give you the details. <laughs> Taped up of that debate between the French and the Harmon. And plus, we'll give you a best of moment here for the podcast. Uh, best of the worst singing. And we shall vote on that prestigious podcast award. But as always, we start the show with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is the woo. I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Don't watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. These headlines really kind of, I guess, play into playoff challenge, and we'll explain that in just a bit. But uh, Connor Cook is going to start for the Raiders. He's got that super exciting match. It's going to be Connor Cook, Brock Osweiler. Ooh. Oh, boy. Giddy Get up. fired up. Must. It's going to be a heck of a playoff game. <laughs> uh, remember for the – I mean, it's – I feel bad for Raider Nation a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, they're coasting along, right? They're going, they're going, they're going. They look great. And then their star quarterback goes down with a broken leg, Derek Carr. 
And then their backup comes in, preseason hero Matt McGloin, mm. who has, like, unbelievable preseason numbers. Something, I mean, his, his quarterback rating in the preseason is, like, 110 or over 110 or something ridiculous. Anyways, he comes in. He plays a, a good game and a half before getting drilled, and then now he's out. Now they got their third-string quarterback, Connor Cook, a, a, a rookie quarterback out of Michigan State. He's going to start for the Raiders against the Texans. Uh, the fourth-round rookie in Connor Cook is, will join Minnesota's Joe Webb and Denver's Gus Farratt as the only quarterbacks this century to start their first game of the season in the playoffs. I mean, admittedly, the century is only 17 years old. Okay. 16-plus. 16-plus. All right. Nice well, actually, there. First, yeah. <laughs> it'll be his first career start. It's his first career start? Yep. It's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I guess what does it mean for you know the Raiders? Uh, the Texans obviously are going to get after it, and we'll, we will talk about this extensively in playoff challenge, but um, are there any Raiders you, you, you trust in that game? No. No. No, no, no. Definitely no. not. Um, no, because I think if, if the Texans are smart, and defensively they're a very, very good team, um, they're going to load the box. And, you know, they're going to stop the running game. They're going to stop Latavius Murray and Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington, and they are going to dare Connor Cook to beat them. And I think if, if that, the, you go in with that, and if Connor Cook beats you, you tip your hat, and you're like, hey, good on you. What is the final score of this game going to be? 3-2? to two? <clears throat> Probably 16-9. to nine. <laughs> No, 16-8. to eight. One <laughs> team's going to get two field goals and have a safety. Oh, my God. This is, I, I think I think it'll be a touchdown gross. and they go for two. This oh, feels like the no, sort of game where you know you, you catch it on the radio, you catch a little bit at the beginning. Yep. You, you go run some errands, you have it on the yep. radio, and maybe you come back. Yep. The end. Man, I'm, I'm I, still gonna watch it. I'm just gonna say I'll, I will be watching this entire game because you it's will. Fasc- it's fascinating for yeah. two. Yeah, for 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 a few reasons. That's one word. Okay. One, I mean, it's playoff football. Even if it's some bad quarterback play, that's true. like that's true. There are still other players on the field, and they'll You've be hyped up got for Khalil it. Khalil Mack, right? Uh, that's true. Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. I mean, there. Will Ford can potentially his last game. Okay. Not to mention, and, and I am definitely an advocate of bad football when it becomes funny. And I think that this could, ah. these quarterbacks, we could veer into that territory. Like, oh, yeah. I still think, for whatever reason, one of the f- most fun games I had watching this year was the week one game between the Rams and the 49ers because especially a playoff game you'll be everybody will be watching it oh man I if thought you I, get in on Twitter and you make some jokes you like man I hope I get some retweets on this <laughs> um I thought I thought you were gonna mention the Arizona Seattle game where uh or no was it Se- was it Seattle Carolina the Jake DeLome five pick game? No, this I've was the no, this was ever. this season when it was it, it Arizona was, Seattle. All the missed field goals. There you go. Yeah, that but that was that, not fun. Yeah, that game got, that game got annoying because it was it turned into a debate of this isn't a good game. Well, it is a good game. You're just you're you're not woke enough for the defensive. Be, you know, game. And so yeah, it turned into like one of those oh my god battles that, on Twitter. Very it was not it was fun. horrible. It was a horrible game for three quarters, but then in the fourth quarter and in that overtime, it was just. Comedy. It, it was, was straight that, comedy. That was very funny, but the key ingredient to bad football being so bad that it must be funny or yes. it becomes funny is that everybody must agree that it is it is bad. Because okay, if you get it. in a game like that where – I mean, I personally did not think that was like a, a horrible game to watch. Marcus and, and Gelhart very much did, mm-hmm. I did, but the, and I didn't care that they didn't, but there were some people that cared that people did not think that was a good game. Oh, and okay. when you get that, that's not fun. Nobody oh, okay. has fun no, doing right, that. No. <laughs> uh, well, this is a science. So, it's science, science. The, we're not expecting a lot of offense from these games. Oh, no. So if you're playing, I mean, there might be some contrarian plays in playoff DFS. Yep. Uh, I've heard some smart people talking about the Raiders running game is an interesting one, but 
Who do you That's pick true. in that three-headed monster? Yeah. I wouldn't touch that. And the Texans' no. defense has been really good this Especially year. Especially at home. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. They've been really good at home. Yeah. Just They've kind of had a, a tale of two halves where earlier in the year you could pick on them on the ground. Later in the year you have been able to throw on the Texans too with some of the injuries in their secondary. But now, yeah, I don't know if I want to be trusting Connor Cook to, yeah. to hit any throws. The, weeks 14 through 17, they have allowed 181.3 passing yards per game. So I, I, I think there are probably wow. potentially some contrarian players on the, on the Houston side. Uh, I think I think for daily. What about tight tight end? Yeah, if tight end. Horowitz is back. Yeah. In with fo- Osweiler, in if Osweiler's there, it's true. I think even even you know Nuke could be an option. He had a big game. Now, are we talking? 17. We're talking just straight DFS. Straight DFS, straight DFS not straight playoff DFS. challenge. Straight okay. DFS. Yeah, yeah. For in, in playoff challenge, I mean, we don't. I don't. I don't think anybody expects either of these teams yeah, yeah, to go yeah. very far. When right. we'll get we'll get into that. And standard scoring at DFS is PPR, so I could see Nuke being an option there, or at least half, okay. half or, or full. Uh, Matt Moore starting for the Dolphins versus the Steelers on Sunday. Ryan Tannehill wanted to go. He's dealing with a knee injury, but he has yet to practice. And head coach, uh, Dolphins head coach Adam Gay said uh, something dramatic has to happen for Ryan Tannehill to get the start. so Well, he said he has to just practice, even if it's one day. Yeah. So if, if he practices on Friday, he's going to start on Sunday. I think... Or whenever they're playing. I think he wants to get in on the practice, but wasn't Adam Gase mentioning the, the fact that he's got to practice and look okay? They wanted something... I think, I think I saw the word escapability or something. Basically, they wanted to see if he can get himself out of trouble yeah. uh, when the pass rush comes. Um, I mean... Look, I understand it. I understand you don't want to necessarily roll into a playoff situation with Matt Moore. Right. But, I mean, it looked like – I mean, it looked like Tannehill was just done for the year. So I know. This, this that knee injury very, was – This seems very quick. Uh, there's no doubt yeah. about it. Okay, so well, how about for DFS? Any uh, any tricky plays here? I mean, you're going Antonio Brown, I would imagine, right? I think Kenny Stills could be an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. He scored touchdowns, I think, in each of his last four games. I, mean, I think you know what you're getting yourself into with, with Kenny Stills. Yeah, but you got the boomer bust. Well, I, I think Landry is actually a really good play, too. Um, I think – I can't remember the exact numbers, but just he has been much, much more productive in games where Miami has been losing. We saw that when they went on their run, when they started running the ball more, he started seeing a lot less targets. Then he popped up for that 14-target game in the, in the game. They got blown out. And Pittsburgh, I think, is is heavily favored in this game. So ten, ten points. Ten I think points I saw yeah. from friends in the desert. Some some random place. Don't know where it is. But uh, they're they're double digit you know favorites. I, so that would you would think that this is a potential game script where Landry could see double digit targets. I mean, you take a look at the quarterback landscape that's out there, um, and I, I I know Matt Moore is not, you know, he's not a name guy, but you know, surprisingly, he's actually been pretty darn solid. Uh, he's had. You know, uh, over 200 yards every single game, multiple touchdowns in every single game. Uh, he's only had one turnover in, in every game. Uh, I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm actually don't feel that bad if I'm playing DFS, not playing Matt Moore. I'm saying, but uh, using some of their passing options in, in for the for the Miami Dolphins. I don't feel terrible about rolling those guys out there, even if Matt Moore is your starting quarterback. Yeah, exact numbers, by the way. Landry saw 9.4 targets when Dolphins were underdogs in 2016, and only 6.2 when they were favored. All nice. right. There you go. Um, where are we going? Chicago. The GM there, Ryan Pace, said, quote, anything is on the table regarding quarterback. Jay Cutler recovering from a torn labrum in his shoulder. Um, they're not exactly sure what they want to get done there, but I would I would imagine they're going to cut Jay Cutler. But um, what does that mean for 2017? If they go with Matt Barkley, which they very well may could, uh, what they got? they got a top three pick. I don't know if a quarterback will be – a quarterback they like will be there. But – uh, what does it mean for the passing options there uh, in Chicago in 2017? 
Uh, Huge question mark? Yeah. You have no idea. Only thing you really... I mean, isn't Jeffrey uh, potentially going to be a free agent? Free agent. I don't don't expect him to come back. I'd be pretty shocked. Uh, I mean, I think... think Despite his guarantee, they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, they can buy a ticket like everybody else. Um, (laughs) uh, Cameron Meredith, I think... Slides in potentially as the number one receiver in that offense. I mean, there's just so many questions. There's Jordan Howard, and then there's kind of a bunch of question marks yeah. around there. Does it impact Jordan Howard? I'm starting to see a lot of uh, a lot of hype train for Jordan Howard getting into the first round. Uh, do you guys buy that? Given that the offense could be an absolute disaster, <clears throat> right? It could be a. The, the uh, good thing about him is that he saw so much involvement in the passing game. So if they're bad and they're in yeah. negative game scripts, so even even when they were losing by a lot, he's still getting a hundred yards a game at the end of the season. But I don't know if I buy him as a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just Very aggressive. I don't know if he's. I mean, he's not. He's not David Johnson, where you yeah. where you're confident he can just overcome having a bad offense around him. He looked good. He looked good for much of last year. But I, I just wonder. You know, if if the defensive coordinator goes in to face the Bears next year and realizes that there's no quarterback, there are no real receiving options, right? And they just stack the box. Like I don't know if Jordan Howard is the same guy. I mean, I, the, a big part of the reason why I bought it to David Johnson <clears throat> and uh, was starting to fade off of uh, Todd Gurley, and obviously Matt Harmon did a great job explaining why Todd Gurley most likely was not going to you know give you good results. David Johnson, on the he was playing with with Bruce Arians. I think you believe in Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do I believe in John Fox? No. No. Or, or absolutely Dowell Loggins. Dowell Loggins. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a name. Womp womp. The, 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 the and, that, thing- and that's what would make me worried about uh, Jordan Howard. You know, e- even if he I, – I got to imagine just because uh, with the positional, you know, scarcity that there is Jordan Howard, there's going to be some movement to get Jordan Howard near the end of the first round, early part of the second round. I just – I don't know, man. I'm going to be scared off. Yeah. And to be fair about the Bears, too, you know, and this was a lot of what people said about Gurley last offseason was, well, you know, as a rookie, he did it with bad quarterback play. He did, you know, and he did it. Right, right. That doesn't always carry over year to year. And also, to be fair with the Bears, they actually got pretty reasonably good quarterback play out of Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Out of even Matt Barkley for a little bit of a stretch. They did. Before. I mean, 100%. He, he still was productive, even though he turned the ball over like a madman. Lately. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that next year it could – you always think, like, well, it can't get worse. It can always get worse. <laughs> it can always get worse, baby. <laughs> it'll, uh, be, it'll be worth watching, too, with Jordan Howard. Just one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, how his offensive line shakes up. Because they had signed Josh Sitton, but True. the Packers let him go for injury issues, and then he gets injured a bunch this year. Kyle Long, their best offensive lineman, yep. ended up on IR. IR. Yep. Shoulder and ankle injuries and stuff. So that's something that's to look point. at too, because that's also what conspired against Gurley this year was bad quarterback play, a bad offense, and a really bad offensive line. Yep, that's and a good co- point. And a coach that ran a middle school offense. So there you go. <laughs> uh, playoff challenge. How do you play? Let's go to Alex Gelhar. Explain the game in general. So I did. I did write up a beginner's guide on this. Yes, you guys you can find it NFL.com/slash/Gelhar. But basically, it's the same. We had the perfect challenge game. It's kind of a, a daily fantasy setup here. But in playoff challenge, you can pick a lineup each week. However, it's uh, it's standard scoring, but the caveat is that each week certain players are in your lineup, you get bonus multipliers for them being in that lineup. So what you kind of want to do with the game, and you can change players out once they if their team loses. Like, say you pick 
you know, Steelers or Packers this weekend in your lineup and either of those teams lose, you can swap them out for Cowboys or Falcons or whomever. There's well, no not s- the Packers. They're not going to lose, are they? I mean. There's no set AFC or NFC uh, any, you know, assignments. You just pick basically the players you think are going to end up in the Super Bowl. Right. Because, like, if you pick all Patriots and Cowboys say you think they're going to be in the Super Bowl, your first week you will get zero points. Right. But every point they score in the divisional round is, is double. 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 And Times every two. After that, every point they score, yep. Times three. So you could play it, you know, where each week you reshuffle your lineup and try and pick the highest scorers, but right. you lose out on those multipliers. Yeah, and that's where that's that where extra, the money's made. Yep, and that's where the money's made and the extra strategy uh, comes into play. And that while there is no money, say per se, to be made in this game, right. the winner yes. gets a uh, trip with one guest, I believe, to Super Bowl 52 Hello. in Minneapolis. Oh, Give yeah. me some of that. So you it's don't like even pop- have to go to Houston. Popular Bring tourist destination. Bring a jacket. February. <laughs> Minneapolis. Bring a jacket. <laughs> Minneapolis is a great city, but it could be very, very cold. All right. So um, in terms of playoff challenge, I, it, a big-time strategy is figuring out who's going to get Wait, to the Super Bowl. Quick. Right. One thing to add, uh, apologies to international listeners, listeners, but it's only for people in the continental United ah. States, I believe, that can play. I had somebody nice. from Canada asking me about it. I don't know why. I would just presume or assume that it has something to do with extra legal insurance. So wait, you said like continental. So does that mean like Alaska and Hawaii are I forget shut if out they also? Play or not. They might be able to, but it's basically United States. Like Sounds Canada, rigged. Mexico, stuff <laughs> cannot. But legal stuff, I don't know. That's all yeah, way above exactly. my pay grade. But like, don't stop listening to the podcast because we'll still talk about playoff we've football. Got, and you got to hear the best of podcast section. That's true. true. There is that as well. All right, so the a big-time strategy, obviously, and the key component of playoff challenge is that you not only have to figure out who's going to play well, but also players that you believe are going to make it to the Super Bowl. Right. Um, with that in mind, franchise, who do you like in playoff challenge? Uh, I'm going with the Falcons and the Steelers as my main two teams. Okay. Mm. So the only guy on my roster that I uh, have in there is my tight end who's not on either team. I want Travis Kelsey just because he's really good. Right. Um, So the Steelers play this week in the wild card round, um, and I'm a Steelers fan. (laughs) So there you go. So I'm a little bit biased, but I went with Lev Bell, Antonio Brown, and the Steelers D, and my quarterback is Matt Ryan. Got Devonta Freeman as my RB2. Julio Jones is my wide receiver too, and Matt Bryan is my kicker. So that's my lineup. It's a pretty good looking lineup. The good, the good. One of the other strategies is like everyone. Most of the time, people are going to pick the favorites to be in the Super Bowl, right? Like the the one seeds, like the Patriots and the Cowboys. Right. So if you want to get an edge, it's kind of like doing DFS, where you go contrarian and you might be able to like gain an edge if you pick like the sleeper teams, and they end up going all the way. I don't I don't know what what exactly the numbers would be, but I would imagine Tom Brady's probably the most popular fantasy player in the playoff uh, challenge. He is in twenty percent. 27% of lineups this week. Ah. Rodgers is the number one owned. But I think people are not picking Brady because he's on bye this week, right? So that might be playing in. And they're assuming that the Packers are going to move on to next week as well. Correct. So, and you can see those ownership percentages in the tool when you go into build. NFL.com slash playoff challenge. Okay. Guys, if you want to play at home. MG? Um, I went heavy Patriots. I'm one of the people who has Tom Brady. So I got Brady, LeGarrette Blunt, the Ghost. And, uh, and the Patriots' defense, because I, I have a pretty good feeling that in their second round, since they have the bye in the divisional round, I feel like they're going to get a shot at either uh, Brock Osweiler or Connor Cook 
which you know kind of makes me confident <laughs> about their... they'll probably win either <laughs> way. <laughs> um, uh, I did go with a couple Packers because I, I just yeah. I have a feeling they're gonna I think they'll they'll slide out of the NFC and be okay. in, they were my preseason Super Bowl prediction was Packers Patriots. Mm. Um, it would be the you know the the quarterback matchup to end all quarterback matchups. Right, right. Um, so like I've it. I've got uh, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams in there. Uh, I do have Zeke Elliott at the running back spot because I'm, obviously ball. I can get double points from him next round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he is good at football. Uh, the only te- the only player I have that I think you know that I just kind of went with based on matchups and ability is Travis Kelsey. Again, he has a bye, but he's been the hottest tight end going for the last month or so. Yeah, true. And get those double points uh, in the second round there. So uh, yeah, uh, I feel like I feel pretty confident about this. We'll, we'll see. Matt Harmon. Yeah, I went heavy Chiefs and Falcons. Did you? Ooh, I think you. if you're gonna go with uh, for Falcons, I mean the logic there. Is they were they were the best offense this year. They yeah. scored 540 points, which yeah. is amazingly 71 points more than the Saints, who were the second highest scoring offense. That's wow, crazy. That's a lot of that points. Insane. Which you know we'll talk about this you know later sure. on for next year. But yeah. that's a that's a number that's gonna that's outrageous. That's gonna come down. Yeah. By the way, so but for Re- this year at least, regression, it's gonna be some, oh, there's gonna be some regression. Oh. We're already start start oh, 2017 regression, regression watch talk 2017. <laughs> okay, here. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> 2017 regression watch. Here we go. But so, I mean, speaking of somebody that's probably going to regress next year, you know, from a touchdown to, to touch perspective, Tevin Coleman, I think, makes a really good play in these because he's been a big play threat all year. He has, I think, three touchdowns of 30 or more yards. He's also been yep. a red zone factor. He scored on 46.7% of his touches inside the 10-yard line, which, again, astronomically high. But if that continues into the playoffs, you got a good chance. And he's 0% started right now. I mean, right, because everyone's going to go with Freeman. Everyone will be on I think Freeman. he climbed up to 1%. Well, he's <laughs> under 2 he had 11 total touchdowns this year. Yes, I think. 11. Total That's crazy. Touchdowns. And he missed games. Yeah, he 11, missed, a, he missed had, a bunch of games. Yeah, he had 11.5 touches per game. That's right. Scored 11 wow. touchdowns. So that that's pretty insane. pretty outrageous. You know, yep. something to watch for next year. Yep. yep. Um, but I, I think that, that that he would make a good like kind of contrarian play as well. I got to imagine if you're taking Chiefs, you like Tyreek Hill. You could you could definitely go with Tyreek Hill. I think you know in the in the potential scenario I'm painting here with the Falcons uh, make it to the Super Bowl and see the Chiefs, uh, then you might. it's hard to not say Julio Jones. And also, you, I really want to share of Antonio Brown in this game because I think a lot of people, when they go Steelers, will go for Le'Veon Bell. He's 74% started right now. Yeah. Antonio Brown, 61% too. So that actually almost makes me want to go with Odell against the, uh, the Packers because I think he blows up in this game and if yeah. they beat – Dude, he uh, didn't blow up in the first game. They played against each other, and I have a horrible feeling he's just gonna rip right through him. <laughs> right. No, bro, he's he's just being a distraction no, the, right he, now. Going, yeah, you know the me- oh, the media is gonna get to his head. But I think if so, on the Chiefs' point though, I think the best the best strategy there is uh, going with the their defense because you know you do have to pick a defense in this, and you get Tyreek. Yeah, exactly. You get you get a share of Tyreek Hill there. Yeah, and also like Chiefs at home at least for one game. That's really tempting. All right. What about it, Wiz? Uh, I all Packers. Also, some <laughs> some homerism, but uh, the pack the Packers are hot right now. So I uh, went with the Packers passing attack. I've yeah. got Rogers, Nelson, and Adams. Yeah. Uh, Cobb still banged up. I grabbed Mason Crosby for the kicker because I figured they could be in a couple good good uh, matchups here, especially they're in round two if they advance. Going to travel in a dome somewhere in two games that could be very high scoring with yeah. Dallas and Atlanta. And then on the flip side, I went all Patriots. I uh, stacked both their running backs. I went LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis. Mm. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Because Deion, Lu- Deion Lewis over the last four weeks of the season actually had more rushing yards than LeGarrette Blunt. He didn't get into the end oh, zone. Oh, is that right? 
James White was still the primary pass catcher, but I'm wondering if after another week, Lewis is a little more healthy with the bye. That role comes back. And also, like as Marcus said, the Patriots are figuring to play Connor Cook or Brock Osweiler <laughs> at home in round two. That figures to be a run-heavy game script. I right. will gladly double up on all the potential running back touchdowns there. It's Gross. true. Tight end. Uh, I'm riding. In the past, I've mixed and matched teams more. This year, I wanted to try just going with two two teams. Marty B? So I went with Marty B. Okay. Figure he's going to be a big beneficiary of the bye, too, because he was carrying a couple lower yeah. body injuries. Yep. Um, still getting ro- used, especially in the red zone with that huge frame. And then I grabbed the Patriots defense because the Packers defense, not great right now. And again, the Patriots get to play Connor Cook or Brock Osweiler in round two. Let's say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> they get to play Connor Cook or, or Brock, Brock Osweiler, Osweiler in round two. I mean, if it's not Steelers-Pats in the AFC Championship game... Dude, the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Chiefs. I would not sleep on the Chiefs. No? Yeah. no. Chiefs at home? That home field if, advantage if Steelers, is... Uh, the Steelers have to travel to... It's going to be loud. It's going to be cold. Arrowhead, Arrowhead the, is one right. of the hardest stadiums to go into and play in. The this Chiefs. all makes me very nervous the as a Chiefs, Steelers fan. The Chiefs can put points on you now, too. You know, We know that Kelsey's been balling. They have an X-Factor in Tyreek Hill. And right. Let's not forget the two games where Alex Smith has ever come out of his shell... Has been in the playoffs. Playoffs! Has been against the Saints when he was with the 49ers that year, and then okay. against the Colts when the Colts came back in that 2013 playoff game. Right. Such an awesome game. The that Colts. was an amazing game. I, I really hope we get a good playoff game like that. All right, I so, know we will, I because I believe. All right, so, I think the divisional round is going to be lit yeah, it should be for lit. both. both oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm, God, we have to I'm get through all this stupid fantasy crap all year to get to the good <laughs> playoff games. Wow. <laughs> uh, just to put the capper on this, uh, the playoff challenge, so you get the multipliers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so every single week. Uh, but the multipliers do apply. It, 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 so, like for example, like let's say the let's say you went with um, uh, who am I trying to think of? Like let's say you went with uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah. Okay. But he gets eliminated, right? You can go pick up Jordy, and now you get don't get the multiplier. You don't get the multiplier. No, but you but do you get the multiplier if Jordy then advances to the NFC? Yes. Championship? Then, yes. Yeah. Then it becomes yes. two times. Two so times and not three. Cons- each consecutive week, you get the bonus multiplier. Right. So there is yeah. that small distinction. That's that's good to know. So another strategy none of us did was if you think there are two hot enough wild card teams to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, like perhaps Packers and Steelers, mm-hmm. like you could stack your lineup with them and get four times multipliers the whole way through. It's pretty good. Right. I like it. All right, so there you go, Playoff Challenge. Tell, tell, tell the folks where to find it. NFL.com slash Playoff Challenge. You can go to my writer page or NFL.com slash Fantasy to find the beginner's guide, and then I'll be posting all of our lineups with a little write-up uh, tomorrow. I like so it. So you can check it out there on Thursday on NFL.com slash Fantasy. Okay, good stuff. All right, let's talk about some lessons that we have learned in 2016. How do we apply them to 2017? Matt Harmon, we'll start with you. Oh, we're starting with me. Yes, absolutely. All right, well. What lessons did you learn, pal? I think that the biggest thing is that, you know, and this seem, might seem counterintuitive, okay. or, or not counterintuitive, this might just seem like naturally something you would assume, Yes, uh, is that, you know, this league changes. There's a lot of variance, you know, year to year, not even just week to week. You know, I came into this year pretty heavily invested in, in wide receiver heavy teams, you know, even some zero RB teams. And that wasn't a great approach this year results-wise because wide receiver scoring was so f- much lower this year I'm, I'm writing a piece on this for uh, for friday so you can read it then but there was just so much of an outlier year in terms of wide receiver production than had been the last three to five years so and i think that's an important thing to one 
for me not to get caught up in just this year's results because it all, it's all about how are things trending and are, is the league still the same way? And yes, it is still a passing league. The passing play percentage as a, as a whole in the NFL went up this year. So it's not as if running backs are, you know, there's more rush attempts to go around or anything like that. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is just for me that there's so much variance in what, in what can happen in one year, but not to lose sight of the big picture of the way the league is trending. And I still think that that is trending to very much more of a, a pass heavy team. And we could easily, just like we saw the running back pendulum sw- swing back this year, yeah. we could easily see it go back to the mean next year with more high-end running backs getting hurt and high-end wide receivers being more productive. So I guess the question is this. If the league is moving towards more pass attempts per game per team, um, and yet wide receiver scoring has been down, where were those points accumulated? That, that running back, passing game, running running game? Or I, I tried to kind of, and I'm not done yet trying to dig into that. It doesn't seem that there's more, like in, in, especially in terms of top 12 fantasy backs, receptions and yards among the running backs in the passing game are still pretty like linear. Okay. There's not a huge change. I think what we're actually seeing more, and this this could be just this year, it could be something that's developing going forward, is there's more overall production. I, you know, I franchise. I know I was showing you this graph where like the top 50 scoring wide receivers, there was more guys that had seen like 90 targets in a game as opposed to like 70 targets. So it right. almost seems like it's just getting spread, spread around, out more, more spread out. Yeah, Mike Interesting Evans. You mentioned that. Like I just to jump in super quick because literally before the podcast. Podcast. We were on that. We were looking at one of the the bet wager things we we're going to settle, and it was with the Cowboys. And I was looking at their distribution. I was like, "Wow, they had three people with over ninety targets. They didn't have anybody like over hundred. That's crazy. But then I was just, I was just pulling up the target totals for this year and looking at it by team. And there's there were a lot of teams that had a much more spread out kind of approach. Which is was that kind of what you were hinting at there, Harmon? Yeah, that's kind of that's essentially what I'm saying. Like Mike Evans led the NFL with 173 targets, and over which is much lower than last year. We had Julio Jones see two hundred. Yeah. And from 2012 to 2015, there were 10 wide receivers who saw more than 180 targets over that span. So it just kind of shows you what like a strange year in terms of high-end wide receiver production. You know, Julio, uh, not Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald led the NFL with 107 catches, which was the lowest it's ever been in the last decade. Hmm. So it's and I again, you can say maybe that's something that's like a new trend developing, or it's just a you know. Well, what's weird, your thought? I, I'm still again, I'm still kind of working through that, but I think that we really did see the passing game spread out a lot more. And I, I wonder if it is something that teams will do more going forward because, uh, like, just the, the Falcons to Bucks example is a really good one. Like, the Bucks were not a good team this year on, a, on the whole. And yeah. then the Falcons, especially last year, when they stuffed 200 targets to Julio Jones, were a, were a bad football team. Yeah. True. They weren't good. Their offense okay. especially wasn't good. And then this year, where Julio Jones was averaging nine targets a game as opposed to 12 targets per game, they were a much better offense because they were able to develop multiple threats. And I wonder if that's something like, you know, as fantasy owners, you know, we certainly love when our players are getting a ton of targets. But right. I also wonder if other teams will – you know, going forward, whether that's going to be something that they spread want to it. do, you know, whether whether they want to do that or they 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 think they're better. I mean, Tom Brady and out. the Patriots been doing that for a decade now, yeah. so I, mean, yeah. I guess it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. MG kind of take piggybacking off of that idea. What are your thoughts there? Do you think that the uh, the pass distribution just again remains relatively uh, even uh, among a, bu- a bunch of different options, making it hard to find that quote unquote elite receiver? Well, I think you know, I think when you see teams that are that are funneling a lot of targets to one guy, it yeah, you know, I think it's it's not by choice. It is it is sort of because uh, out of necessity. I mean, I think I think if you had gone and asked the Colts this year, do you want 
T.Y. Hilton to have 27% of your targets, I think they would say, well, no. I mean, I think they would have preferred, you know, that Dante Moncrief was there more often to get the ball to him. I think they would have preferred that Philip Dorsett was more of a playmaker so he could see more more passing, uh, you know, more, more targets in the passing game. I mean, I think, I think in a perfect world, everybody would want to be the Patriots or the Saints or a team like that that has a whole bunch of even, – even the Falcons this Good year. Point. Good point. That, you know, it wasn't very – it wasn't Julio Jones-centric, which I know frustrated yeah. a lot of people. Can I can I jump in though? Let, let, I, I think about this now because you say that the, the the successful team spread it around. Yet we have this whole mantra here in the stronghold, right? Throw it to your good players. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so sometimes isn't the best offense throwing it to your good players? I mean, that, I was saying for weeks that no matter how many times they throw it to Odell Beckham, it's never enough. That's true. Um, but I think some of it is because I mean I think some of these teams they have good players that are just other world. Odell Beckham is so head and shoulders above right. so many other players in this league. That's right. That yeah I mean you know I don't know that you can say that say in New Orleans where you know you got Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed who are all okay. fairly good playmakers, but not one of those guys is yeah. what you consider elite compared to everybody else. I think there's a difference between ignoring your your good player when you have one good player like. You, you see it with the Cowboys prior to this year, like especially in 2015, they'd go long stretches without throwing it to Des Bryant. Like, oh, let's make sure we get Cole Beasley and, and Terrence Williams and hand it off to Darren McFadden. Like, there's a difference between doing that and, like, if you're the Falcons this year and you have all these other options. But when they needed Julio Jones, they had Julio Jones to go through go to, and they did not ignore it. I mean, think back to that game against Carolina where he just ripped them to shreds. So I right. think there's a difference between – you know, ignoring your good player and okay. ramming it to your good player no matter what. All right, WizKid, did you learn anything from 2016 that you could apply to 2017? I think the lesson that I'm trying to f- – I've learned and I want to dig more into this offseason is trying to find a blend of both as we're evaluating players and situations, talent and opportunity. Because there are two sides to this all the time in, like, fantasy discussions of – like tape study versus metrics or, you know, analytics and numbers and stuff like that. And I think we have to be able to find a, a blend because when I first started doing this like more seriously professionally a couple of years ago, I was relying more on my eye and I hit on a couple of those guys early, like Nuke in his second year breakout and mm-hmm. Mark Ingram and in his resurgence and stuff like that. But there are also certain situations where you have to be, be figure out a blend of both their talent and the opportunity that could be presented. One of the ones I missed on this year, at least early, was Michael Thomas because mm. I was worried with him coming to that loaded Saints attack that he was he was a you know I loved his talent coming out of Ohio State, but I was worried he wasn't going to see enough volume to week to week trust because in the last ten years, Breeze had only thrown 120 plus targets to a receiver five times. Like you think of all the targets he throws, all right. the 5,000 yard seasons. Harmon did that good study on 120 target wide receivers. And it only happened five times in ten years. So, like, I was a little, I over, I kind of overassessed his talent and his usage, which would probably be primarily in the red zone, which I think he far and away led that team. Let me pull that up super quick. But you know, f- figuring out a, a marriage of the two, and like, you know, because there are certain situations too where if the opportunities aren't presented, we've seen talented players sink before, like Nuke this year. Although none of us expected him to sink to this level, yeah. so. I don't think anybody thought Brock was going to be uh, this and yeah, bad. Michael Thomas did lead uh, the Saints with 19 red zone targets and had seven touchdowns in that space. So figuring out the marriage of both talent and opportunity and how to how to better equate that moving forward as we're projecting to 2017 has been my lesson that I learned. Franchise? I guess my lesson, we were talking about this before we started recording, but there's already on the Twitter sphere conversations about draft strategy for next year already and oh boy the zero rb versus the zero wide receiver and the only draft good players and all this 
There's so many different variables that go into every single fantasy draft. I'm just I'm not getting involved in any of this crap anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I understand how zero RB can work. I understand how zero wide receiver can work. I also understand that every league is different. You have a different draft spot in every league. That's a great point. There's no one way that uh, this this strategy can win or lose your your league, and there's no reason that you have to knock down a strategy for no reason other than you don't believe in it. Okay, yeah. I think so. I think it's a really. I think that latter part's probably the most important. Yeah, but so the, so the beginning part is. <laughs> Yeah. The latter part is the is the good point. And to take away. like like I'm my league of record, you can start five wide receivers every week. It's a half oh, point PPR. There's wow. a bunch of flex spots. So the last two seasons, I think I've drafted five wide receivers with my first five picks. I went ten and three last year. I made it to the championship this year, and I lost. But it bad. depends on the setup of your league. That's true. Where your draft spot is. Yeah. Knowing your who's available. Yeah, like it's like. All these arguments are just so pointless. And why are we having? It's January. Yeah. I like to. Can we people, not talk about this for like a month? A couple people <laughs> made the point that they were like the 2016 fantasy season body isn't even cold yet. Right. I think like Al Smizzle and yeah. somebody else had said that. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. And well, I get it. I get it because this is what we do. But no, no. And but what when you say this is what we do, it's for a lot of folks, it's important for them to be right. 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 Because that's how they build their brand. Is well, I'm a quote unquote fantasy expert, so I need to be right. Give me a break. And if I'm not right, then I feel as if I am not a fantasy football expert yeah. or something well, along those lines. The but so, it's there, okay to be wrong. Here's a secret. If that you're is, wrong, that's right. No one's going to remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. okay if you're wrong. So that's a couple not true. people tweet at you. That's not. That's not true. The internet will yeah. always okay. should, the should, internet should, remember. I'll alter it to say <laughs> I just important is <laughs> yeah. okay. All right, but and I think I think a good point about franchises discussion here is yeah. like it's hard it's hard to look back, you know, with only like a results based. Uh, the internet's about. calling us. The internet's calling. Tell us we're wrong. wrong. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, actually, you guys are all wrong. Yeah. But wrong. <laughs> I, I think the, the the fun thing is like looking back in hindsight is easy, but you know everything like I mentioned earlier, everything this year. Led like led you to think like yeah this is gonna be that's the zero RB is the way to go yeah the you know, wide receiver heavy is the way to go and then here we are a few months later and that was incorrect but the process of how you got there is is very accurate and I think that just goes to show you that there's so much randomness so much volatility in this league that it's important to be humble it's important to realize like yeah I, I was wrong about that prediction this year actually it's funny because I actually went zero RB in uh, two of my main leagues and uh, in both leagues I. I got to the championship game using the zero RB strategy. I think my starting uh, running back in uh, in one league was Latavius Murray. Yeah. It was I was running out Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon in in that yeah. league. And I think that's another good point too that like strategies are just for one they're options. Like they're not cheat codes. Like even even if you were a zero RB zealot going into this year, you'd have to ad- admit that it's just an option. Like and you could get like you could get to a point where it's like there's a running back here I'd like to take and like I'd be it, like what am I just going to pass it up just because I want to follow this strategy? No, that's right. crazy. Like it's an option and two like they're you know they're like I said they're not cheat codes they're, they're it's just one part of the fantasy experience yeah, like right. you can draft a great zero RB team but if you don't manage it properly and don't hunt for those backup running backs like Jordan Howard or yeah, you know whatever Rob Kelly then yeah. it doesn't then it doesn't matter it's and, all part of the experience and the other thing is feeling out how your draft goes if everyone's taking running backs early you have an advantage in getting a couple top wide receivers while everyone's loading up on running backs it's and if true. it's flopped the other way around feel it out and zig when everyone else zags or whatever the case may be right yeah. Under, like, understand positional value and like don't take everything we or other 
analysts say as gospel too, because like franchise is a good point too, is that most leagues are different. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, it's just point. it's like take what we say and and see how it might apply to you and like we I don't think anybody in this room or in, behind the glass with Gelhar would uh, pre- prevent present ourselves as anybody but just like people with opinions. Yeah, people with some thoughts and yeah, we've we've looked at numbers more than you guys and we recommend you don't look at numbers as much as we do. Remain <laughs> <laughs> like a normal balanced Sane. person. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think of like just take some of it, see how it applies to you and. You know, again, things can like easily it. change quickly. This was fantasy therapy session. It worked out well. This is good. It's good, yeah. good audible yeah. in the rundown there. Yeah, I like it. MG, you got a lesson here? Uh, I mean, I do. Uh, I mean, I think I think one of the things I took away from this year, I think we saw it near the end of the year, especially, uh, was the the value of sort of hybrid players. And I know I remember a couple of years ago in the preseason, I had kind of jokingly said that you know. Uh, Hybrid or multiple was kind of the buzzword. It and, was, you know, and I didn't quite, I didn't quite follow up on that much this year. But I think whether it was the elite guys, you yes. know, the David Johnsons and the Le'Veon Bells, seeing how often they lined up out of the backfield at wide receiver positions and were extremely effective there to even some of the guys that we saw really emerge later in the year, whether it was Taylor Gabriel or Tyreek Hill. Yeah, um, you know. These guys who can do multiple things and be effective at them. I mean, as much as I, you know, don't. Kudos to those coaches to figuring out ways to get them the ball in space. Though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but we saw it a little bit with, uh, you know, in some ways with Ty Montgomery, obviously making the switch to running back. We saw it, I think, with the wide at the uh, the tight end spot. I know tight end was kind of a wasteland this year, but some of the more effective guys. I mean, you know, obviously you got Gronk who can do everything. You got Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker who lined up at a slot position more than he lined up at tight end. Travis right. Kelsey who yep. moved all over the formation. This is the way of the world now in the NFL when you have guys who are just uber athletic, who can get out there and do multiple things on the football field. So yeah, you know, I and I think I think I think we're gonna see this especially when we get to July and August. It's already starting now with this conversation of who should be the number one overall pick. And yeah. the first three names that popped up, obviously David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. And I would say right now, of those three, Zeke is my number three. Mm-hmm. Simply because he doesn't do he doesn't do the same work in the Cowboys passing game that those other two guys do in their team's respective right, passing games. Right. I mean, you saw during the season this year, uh, a lot of times in passing situations or especially late game situations when the Cowboys needed to move the ball quickly, you saw a lot more Lance Dunbar on the field than you did Ezekiel Elliott. You didn't, okay. and you certainly didn't see him, you know, lining up as a slot receiver and trying to, you know, and forcing coverages to roll his way. So I think. Because of that, I think you, you still can feel confident in David Johnson regardless of what may happen in the Cardinals' offense this year. Right. You can certainly feel confident about Lev Bell. But David um, Johnson was so old for a rookie, though. <laughs> old for a second year running. Good, good callback. I'm, I'm leaving. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you're old for a third-year fan. Stop. <laughs> but I do think, I think it's, it's key to, to kind of identify – yeah, some of those players who can be that Swiss Army knife. I, I mean, know. obviously, if you can get an elite level guy, that's amazing. But I think even in terms of finding role players, finding those those flex guys or those yeah. RB twos or, or wide receiver twos, who can do multiple things because that keeps them on the field more. That yeah. gets the ball sent in their direction a lot more, and I think it in the long run will help you out. Ah, that's good stuff. All right, uh, let's talk about some a change that you would make in standard scoring leagues. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has anything else, but I, I get fired up about it because for me, take the floor, James. Yeah. I just, I look for me, I get fired up because in s- typical standard scoring leagues where passing touchdowns are, are four points. I just, it, it's so, it devalues quarterback so much and it does not reflect what we're actually seeing on the field. I, and I, I think to me, I think that's a big 
disservice because we are in a league where the top flight quarterbacks are the ones that lead their teams to victories and, and deep into the playoffs. But yet in fantasy, they're interchangeable parts. That just To me, that doesn't feel right. And uh, I'm currently playing, uh, I currently only play or play seriously in leagues where uh, passing touchdowns are six. Uh, and I was a big reason for that because I'm always, I just, I get, I get crazy about it because I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense whatsoever. And I, the other thing I'd love to see too, and I don't play any leagues that, that do this, um, but I think interceptions and turnovers, fumbles lost, I think they should be negative three. That, and the reason I'm saying that is because we can't have guys like Blake Bortles be a top 10 quarterback. We can't. You can't lead the league in interceptions and still be a good fantasy player. To me, that just it doesn't feel right. It's the Mark Baldrow well, award. I say I will. Which, Wait, by is the he way, back to back champ. Uh, you know that will be announced uh, shortly. Oh, we'll have that, yeah, have that okay. coming no for the end of the week. No we'll have that coming for the okay, end of the week. Good, good, good. Um, I will say the corollary to that though is I actually would like to see pick sixes maybe cost you more. Maybe they cost you a pick four six. or five, or maybe they cost you six points. Because so, oh, so that Blake really does have to so work Blake on Bortles, his tackling. <laughs> right, so that Blake Bortles has to work on his tackling, or at least you know learn to not throw it to the wrong colored jersey. Well, let's um, not ask too much. You guys know who led the league in interceptions this year? Was it Blake, wasn't it Blake Bortles? It was not Blake Bortles. It was, was not. It? Oh, let me. Th- it's Philip Rivers. It's Philip yep. Rivers. Oh, it's yeah. Philip Rivers. He was yeah. the only one with more than 20, right? 21. Correct. 21. Blake had 16. Oh, boy. He did lead the league last year. James, if I was actually going to – if I'm going to kind of Piggyback provide an ancillary okay. thing to, to your thing here, like I, I don't know if so much the answer is increasing the points for amount of touchdowns you throw. I think okay. that helps, but it doesn't necessarily increase the value of the position overall because everybody gets that boost. I think the best way to make more quarterbacks relevant, make them more important, is actually add a flex spot for quarterbacks. Super flex? Like a super flex. Oh, no. I, why? Why? Uh, I like it. That's what adds the value to your quarterbacks because yeah. then when you have one of the elite ones, it's more of an advantage yes. over the guy that's starting Alex Smith and Brock Osweiler. I was going to say, like let it. me let me it just. Do, I nobody cares about your fantasy teams, but I have a superflex dynasty. Where's league. the mug? Yeah, yeah, I know. Where's the mug? Where's the shirt? Anyways, I have a superflex dynasty league, and my two quarterbacks in there are Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith, and like I can. Well, I, my team sucks because it sucks all around. But yeah. like, it's a pain having to have those as my two quarterbacks every week, and then like hoping I catch fire with a backup like Matt Barkley, which I did this year too, as opposed to the guy that has you know Aaron Rodgers and and Drew Brees or something like. Yeah, that's a pretty big positional advantage because you w- that flex spot it's got to be the quarterback. You're so so the reason the reason I'm, I don't advocate that is because it's not fun playing bad players. It's just not. Yeah, but is, isn't there some fun in trying to do the research on no, the, no, the deeper guy who's going to perform well that listen, week or now, whatever it you're is? You're talking to one of the deans of Danger Zone. So, yes, good point. of course. Deans I, of Danger Zone. I, 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 I love doing the deep research right. on rando players. That's what's fun. It is. It is. And watching random, you know, Abilene Christian game tape. Okay, fine. <laughs> I do that. Yes, I get it. But And I, and I, get, I get off on it, which is great. But... I, it's just I don't know, man. Consid- every single week trying to play a bad player, it's just not fun. Which I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I, I enjoy watching, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers slinging around and making a, a huge impact. And I just feel like if you if you added negative three to the interceptions, it really separates the cream from the bottom feeders. You know what I'm saying? I can see that. So I guess uh, I actually didn't think I had one, but I'm gonna throw one in. Please. Get kickers out. Get kickers out? No, I, you don't like it too random. Out. I hate kickers. You know what? I will tell you this. I lost my I lost 
both my championships actually. Well, I don't know if I could blame it on a kicker, but I did Th- lose. I legitimately lost one championship because uh, somebody ran out a kicker who got twenty points. Matt Bryant. Matt oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Same. Matt, Matt, Matt Bryant. Nineteen okay, so points. I'm on the other side of that twenty coin points because Matt Bryant helped me win in the experts <laughs> league. So <laughs> boom. <laughs> I, I hate it. And that's too random. I think that's too random. It is so. At least with a defense, you can kind of predict. Yeah, that's a little. The too kicker random. is completely unpredictable. It's a, it's a Although, wild card. if I'm in a well, actually, it is a total. Like, it's st- a wild. St- st- statistically, it is the second most predictable position. How is outside that? Outside of quarterbacks. Because the main kickers mostly just mostly over the course of we're, the season. We're the main kickers. You know, like your boy Guskowski. I mean, I'm, in the course of, in the course of one. Good. No, no, no. I mean, in the course of one season, like uh-huh. from a week to week perspective, not right. a year to year to year. Get out of here. But you just got to, you got to figure out, you know, a couple weeks in who right. those guys are going right. to yeah, be. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's all I'm saying. From a week to week perspective, it's pretty predictable. The same guys, I, but you're right. Those guys will randomly pop up for a big week. And when they get 20 points, it's very frustrating. I'm not trying to advocate for kickers. I'm just, I mean, I, I get that random players will pop up and, and, and do crazy things, but um, on a week to week basis, but, Kickers, Nothing though. is more upsetting than looking at a great fantasy lineup being like, man, why am I not winning? And then seeing that your kicker has his offense had a great performance. But great he, performance. He kicked, he kicked four extra points. Yep. The other side is Justin Tucker who kicked three 50-yard field goals in one Boom. game, and you're staring at like a 20 spot. And you're like, what in pressure. the hell? And, yeah, but uh, and that and that double-digit deficit is so hard to overcome in fantasy. Yeah. At a kicker position. Like at that. a kicker yeah. position. Yeah, that's So that's oh. why there's just so much volatility, and it's like – like few, it's so random because like so few people, except for like diehards, will actually like stream kickers or something. Yeah, like most people just get a kicker and set it and forget it. Right, the guy gets injured. It's so like, true. It's that up and down peak and valley there that's obnoxious. Whereas yeah, like that's you said, true. defenses, it's a little more fun because you can stream or you get yeah, your elite yeah. ones. Oh yeah. The rest of the positions, I love kickers. They're an important part of the NFL game, but get them out of fantasy. Maybe is it maybe jumping on top of that? Can we maybe we dampen their impact? So you don't get bonuses for extra for yardage. Distance. So it's everything is just three or one. Yeah, I I would be okay with that then too, because then that that I guess that adds some of the predictability to it even a little more than what Harmon was saying in there. Because you know, because like, nineteen points or twenty points or whatever for Matt Bryant, that's. Oh, I mean, Justin Tucker that tied, hurts. tied an NFL record, I think, or set it with ten fifty plus yard field goals. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, like the next close. I get the counter argument seven. to that too, which is, hey, listen, a 27-yard field goal is not the same as a 55-yard yeah. field goal, which I understand. Still counts for the same amount of points, though. On it the does count for the same amount Just of points. Like, yeah, an 80-yard touchdowns different than an 80-yard, like an 80-yard touchdown drive, capped off by a one-yard rushing touchdown. But yeah. All right, so there you go. Um, all right, so let's talk about uh, – let's wrap up, basically. We'll do these real quick yeah. and then get to the segment. All right, so what is on pace on pace for? And if you guys are new to the pro- to, to the podcast, um, I, I call Mark Ingram on pace because you cannot talk about Mark Ingram without talking about what he is, quote, on pace for. Um, he, pr- coming into the season, he had previously never had a 1,000-yard rushing season. And unfortunately, good narratives do die. <laughs> just so so sad. I'm sa- I'm Victory. sad about this not because I was wrong or not because you know uh, I'm not happy for Mark Ingram. I'm a- I'm happy for Mark Ingram, which is cool. Not a completely terrible person. I am a terrible. Not person. completely. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this narrative now has to die. It's Put no it fun. Bed. Put it to bed. You know, because Mark Ingram finished with 1,043 rush yards as somebody. Uh, put this in bold underline and a giant font in the rundown. 
It was anonymous manatee. It was anonymous manatee. Anyone want some tea? <laughs> 1,043 rush yards. In many respects, it was the best year of his career. For sure. He had a career high in terms of total touchdowns. He had 10. Uh, career high in yards per carry, over five. Um, he had a he had a great season. By the way. He did. I, I'd like to take this time to pat myself on the back a yes. little bit, too, because I also said that he would have 10 touchdowns this year. Did nice. you? Wow. Mark Ingram, 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I said he'd have 10. I, now, I might I might have meant rushing, but whatever. He had 10 touchdowns. Whatever. That's not important. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. How he yeah, got it like, is not important. I like he's, he said after uh, he got the 1,000 yards, he's yeah. going to buy frame uh, all of his offensive linemen's jerseys and put them up in his house. Yeah. Great. Well, and it's a career year for Ingram because he played 16 games. You know, I mean, that's, right. that's and the I biggest think, difference. I like, think that, a big, I think a big part of him staying mostly healthy for the whole year is the fact that they had kind of a three-headed committee going. There yeah, isn't that what's funny? And because when he first got benched, everyone was freaking out. Yeah, but then ultimately that may have helped him for sure. He was more efficient this year than he was last year on the ground. Like he yeah. averaged sixty-four yards per game last year and sixty-five this year, and he had averaged four point six yards per carry last year, five point one this year. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, let's talk about March to 1100. I, I pegged Marvin Jones to get to 1100 yards. And <laughs> after the first month of the season, speaking of like, on dude, pace, man, well, first month of the season looked like that was a lock. On pace, he was like on pace for 1500 yards. So yeah. bad. I don't know what happened here, but Marvin Jones, 55 receptions, 103 targets, so decent target totals, uh, but just 930 yards, so he fell well short of 1100. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it sucks. Up. Uh, his well, career high previously was eight sixteen with the Bengals, but he did miss two games this year. I don't know if it would have made a difference. I feel I like don't he think it would have had an injury or something, and just he was banged like, up for a little bit. He just played through an injury that limited him. I, you know, that's that, got to be what. That's it was. kind of what his mo has been. Yeah. Uh, not not only with the Bengals, but even with Cal, he was you know kind of more of an injury prone type player, but. Uh, 930 yards, and it was crazy too, right? Because he had that 200-yard game, and you're thinking, yep, he's going to get to 1,100 by week 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then Golden then, Tate took over. And then what happened? I don't get what happened. I think if I could offer a, a, a theory yes. about it. I think that Some the therapy? First, I don't know about a therapy, but. <laughs> oh, you know, in the, shed. In shed. The first few the games. The advice. Yes, yes, after yes. the Lions had shed Calvin Johnson. Yes. yes. Uh, he kind of stepped into that role as the number one outside receiver. And right. to, to a lot of people pointed this out, he'd never been that guy. You know, yeah. he was second fiddle to Keenan Allen, then he was second fiddle to A.J. Green. That's a good point. And then this year, he became that guy for the first three games. But they were still targeting him on a lot of like low percentage down the field routes. And yeah. When he was not seeing as as strong a coverage because you know it was like well other teams what's the we're not going to game plan to stop Marvin Jones. Uh, then he was making a lot of those plays. But then as more coverage rolled his way, yeah, it freed up things for others. And then those low percentage routes became even harder, which just extrapolated the issue. And yeah. I think that you know it's just at that point you would still see him get targets, but it would always be again really tough catches, and they just I never like, didn't bounce his way. Yeah, I just feel like he couldn't get separation every time. It looked like he was going for a deep ball. The guy was like on top of him. I tweeted during that game against the Cowboys that at the time, from weeks four to week fifteen, he ranked ninety seven out of 97 receivers on separation of target. Oh, Dead no. last? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's not good. I think oh, among, so, yeah. but, so, James. Something. Yes, sir. No March to 1100 next year? Uh, Call it right now. Call it right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to do March to 1100. Obviously, the last two years have not gone great because <laughs> last year was Dante. Kiss of death. I know. Dante Moncrief just, uh, I mean, although he got hurt again this year, so whatever. But, yeah, Dante Moncrief was my guy last year. But two years ago, it was New Hopkins. Uh, but uh, Marvin Jones this year, and I thought it was looking good. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll reexamine. The the hard part about Marshall 1100 is 1100 yards is a good figure, but I have to go then go and pick a guy who is super random. Right. Uh, only 12 also, wide receivers got there. I was just year. gonna say only tw- 13 players total. Total. And one of them was Travis Kelsey. Interesting. Uh, there were 25 receivers that had. A thousand, but I yeah, might, so I might, that, I might that. have to, I might have to figure out a way to mix in running backs. Eleven hundred total yards. Oh, scrimmage, scrimmage. That I might have to. I don't know. We'll we'll tweak it this offseason. We'll see what's up. Feels maybe, rigged. That feels, feels rigged. rigged. It does yeah. kind of feel rigged. Or maybe maybe I'll find somebody uh, that I really like when I start thinking about this in the offseason. But all right, we'll keep. Yeah, you'll, the, you'll be hyped up and ready for it by, uh, by August. Oh, you know yeah, I will, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about this. Uh, let's quickly bury the hatchet here on yes. LaFell v. Boyd. Okay, please do. Okay, so this was the thing. Uh, when AJ <laughs> Green went down, um, Matt Harmon. Who's an idiot? Uh, <laughs> okay, Matt Harmon. Who's an idiot? <laughs> hmm. uh, Matt Harmon approached me and said, "You know what? Um, I didn't think- just approach you. Threw it out to the entire podcast. That's true, and I bit like an idiot. Which basically because people behind the curtain, back yes. to like curtain here, uh, yeah. Harmon discussed this, and he's like." I bet y'all get Coda by it. Yeah, because nobody <laughs> – yeah, we were talking about it in Slack or whatever. None of, and I was like, man, none of you guys went in on this. I figured I'd get one of you, and I'm like, I'm going to get Co on Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm too predictable. I, that's, that's too easy. That's too easy. Younger guy, please. That's yep. all I needed to know. One of, <laughs> one of these players was younger than the other. That's a good point. Um, AJ Green goes down with injury. Who would fill the void? Would it be, from a fantasy perspective, would it be Brandon LaFell or would it be Tyler Boyd? Um, Matt Harmon picked uh, Brandon LaFell. With confidence. With confidence. And he threw it out on the podcast, and I, and I took the bait, and I said, oh, I'll take Tyler Boyd. No doubt. No doubt about it. And Brandon LaFell crushed. He had 56.3 points, was the wide receiver 19 in those last six weeks of the season, uh, or last whatever. Was it six games? I think. Anyways, from week 12 on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was he was 56.3 points, wide receiver 19. During he had more game. catches, more yards, more yeah. touchdowns. Five more games. Boyd, Boyd had 30.9 points and was wide receiver 54. Okay. Six games. Game. So there you go. And, again, I think, you know, Gelhard just kept spitting in my face about this in the newsroom. Was not spitting in your face. Totally spitting in my face. All I said was I wanted to have more fun with it. I went with Boyd. I even <laughs> I admitted that yours was the more predictable of the two. Not not, not my point. My point was that I think. <laughs> not my narrative. Not my narrative. I think that this is a really important point for for listeners is that, okay. you know, because I think a lot of, and I'm not saying this is what you were saying, Gelhard, but a lot of people think like, oh, well, it's a younger guy. You know, I, he's going to have more upside. And the only thing that Dick Dictates upside in fantasy is usage. And yes. during that span, 52 targets for LaFell, 31 targets right. for Boyd. LaFell was targeted much more farther downfield. Boyd was just a low-volume slot receiver. So I think in the future, you know, if you're making these decisions, you want to take the player that's going to see more high-value targets, not the guy that's just younger and unknown. <laughs> that does not dictate upside. Uh, okay, look, uh, if I could... If I could defend myself, nope, you may. <laughs> okay, no, permission granted. Okay, great. Uh, I actually thought that Tyler Boyd would fill 
that outside receiver role. That's what I thought the role that he was going to fill. I didn't think that he was going to be a slot possession guy. Um, I just thought Brandon LaFell, we had seen enough tape on him. Athleticism was average at best. Um, not saying that Tyler Boyd was some a crazy, amazing athlete, which he's not. But I just thought that he was going to be a little quicker off the line, and I thought he would be the guy that, uh, that they were semi-grooming to kind of play outside for the Bengals' offense. So uh, that's what I thought going in when I, when I took that proposition. Obviously, I was incorrect in, in that assessment. Yeah, and I think that's another thing too, like – what even you know me I'm, I was right in this instance wrong on plenty of others and it's important to emphasize what the team tells you what the what the games have told you and all year Boyd had played in the slot they said even in training camp he's our slot receiver no matter what and I think so that's more important than you know what you think and again I'm not calling you out on that oh I've, you are I've done the same thing <laughs> oh you plenty are. of times like yeah. that's fine all the clues say that but I believe this and well, a lot of times <laughs> it's important to follow what, what really and they matters. said he's our slot wide receiver no matter what they did not expect AJ Green to go down so right. that was one thing where we, sure. we did not know the tea leaves as we said were more predictive in the fashion that it would be LaFell but we didn't know. It's a massive loss. We've said on this podcast and before, plus, you I, never replace a player of A.J. Green's caliber no. one-to-one. Uh, but, and plus, I couldn't get the image of the Brandon LaFell <laughs> on the trash can yeah, out of my head. Brandon LaFell trash can jerseys. I couldn't do it. Understandable. It's, it's a hard image to, to get out of there. Yeah, that is very true. But again, that's like Gelhar said at the top of the podcast, like, you know, so the intersection of talent and opportunity, sometimes yep. opportunity trumps talent. Like, I'm not caping up for Brandon LaFell because I think he's good. <laughs> <laughs> just, he just was going to step in a more high-value yeah, role. Yeah, Man, it was something to, you, so and especially funny. with Bengals players, Brandon LaFell, Jeremy Hill, I mean, just just riding for these dudes with opportunity. Yeah, well, I, they've presented that this AJ year. AJ Green, I mean. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's you know, Jeremy Hill is one of those to just dive back real quick in my, like, talent versus opportunity thing because, like, Jeremy Hill was playing very, very poorly, but he was getting the volume, and at least he was getting it near the goal line, so that, that did right. win out sometimes. And, I'm sure and in other games, you know, he had his 19 carries for 19 yards. I'm sure after week 17, Marvin Lewis was like, why didn't we just play Rex Goathead this whole time? Hey, he did have a good game week 17. You're right. You're 100% right. All right, He's a free agent this year, too. Yeah, he, he is. is. He's going to be, uh, you know. Burkhead is? Yeah. Or Jeremy Hill? Burkhead. Oh, Burkhead. Why are we talking about Burkhead? Yo, dude, Burkhead's going <laughs> to be get legit. Excited. Get excited. <laughs> he's, I think, I do nope. actually think, you know, I mean, it's nope, weird. Nope, not Jay getting and I excited. I had this whole debate, but I think he's an interesting player. He could make it for a decent signing oh. somewhere. We'll glad, see. Glad, <laughs> glad you've opened your eyes to the greatness of Rex Godin. The, per, the question was, again, <laughs> this is the same thing. It's not questioning Rex Burkhead. It's just questioning nope, opportunity. Nope. You hated him. All right, let's move on. I hate, I hate you. Franchise, Chris Ivory. What? Chris Ivory. Uh, what? What, 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 was your, what? What was your prediction on Chris Ivory? I said he would get six rushing touchdowns this year with the Jaguars because co- coming into the season, yeah. it was Chris Ivory is going to be the red zone guy and yep. TJ Yeldon is going to be a 50-50 split and TJ yeah. Yeldon isn't that good and everyone TJ knew Yeldon that. I think, I think and Kyle- Ivory had a huge year last year with the Jets. That's true. I think how it all happened was like you kept writing up Chris Ivory, and I was like, "Bro, why do you keep talking?" About I Chris did. Ivory? He was like on my must-own yeah. list. You, and... you kept writing him up, and I was like, "Bro, why do you keep talking about Chris Ivory?" You're like, "Well, he's gonna be a good goal line back," and I was like, "He's actually not a good red zone back." And you're like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "I bet you he doesn't score six touchdowns this year." Yeah. So and we then... wrote that on a sticky note, and it stayed on my cube all season. And every time, <laughs> few and far between times that Chris Ivory actually scored, he only had three <laughs> he touchdowns. Had three touchdowns. I was like, "Oh, he got one." He to, got. To be fair, one of the 
reasons that I thought this would not happen would be that the Jags, Jags had to be a great passing game because that's where all their great personnel was, and they, even though they wanted to be a run team, and that really wasn't true either. So. <laughs> that didn't work. The Sometimes Jags were just right and wrong. So no one thought they were going to be as bad as they were. They ran way fewer plays in the red zone too. I was just looking at it this year. They yeah. had like a hundred and forty some plays in the red zone this year. They had like or last year, excuse two years ago, and they yeah. had like ninety this year. So Chris Ivory played in eleven games. He was hurt, I think, in another one as well. So, yes. Um, it's all part of the experience. It is all part of the Chris Ivory experience. He, he only had 13 fewer rush attempts than TJ Yeldon the whole season. Well, TJ Yeldon's not good. Which is uh, crazy. That's, that's one Marcus is right on. Yeah. I don't understand and, that one. Uh, yeah. one seventeen. He uh, had 117 carries for 439 yards. That is bad. Yeah. yeah so well, if, if they hadn't, if the entire offense hadn't face-planted franchise – uh, you would have had a better shot at it. Yeah, and they only they only ran the ball thirty one times in the red zone this year, but they ran it fifty two times two years ago. <clears throat> but yeah. here's the the other thing though is that his career high is only seven touchdowns. So six touchdowns actually was a relatively aggressive rush total. But whatever, it you're you're aggressive. This is, this is also <laughs> like I understood his logic because it was coming off a year where the the Jags too they ran fifty two times. They sucked running in the red zone though. Yeah, they, they were terrible. Toby Gerhardt, Denard Robinson had thirteen red zone rush attempts. Ugh. In, what? In 2015. Yeah, for whatever reason, TJ Yeldon just can't get it done at the goal line. He's not he's not built that way, you know? I mean, there but there are smaller backs that are able to burrow in that or small. No. He's like tall. He's tall. Oh, yeah, he's tall. He just runs upright. I mean, yeah. that's the, the 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 major problem is that he runs very vertical but and then yeah. falls over. And then okay. All right, MG. Yeah. Oh. Point being, <laughs> point. you two you two jabrones owe me owe me beers. I, was, I do. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Are we going to do that after the podcast? Is that what we're doing? Can I can Why I, do we let's do it now. Let's do it now. Chris Ivory sucks. All right. Okay. All right. No, so there you go. Doesn't. Uh so that puts a settle down to this. A bow tie. <laughs> Uh, that puts a uh, uh, wraps up a lot of the the things that we've been following all season long. And you know what? That's the fun part about fantasy too. How? Uh, by the way, how fired up were you when uh, when Brendan LaFell caught that long touchdown? I was. It's so stupid. <laughs> I told you I was with my. But it's great. I was this with is my what's da- so awesome about fantasy. I was with my dad like it was Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like I had just gotten home from working that day, and like was, <laughs> I, that game was on, and I was like, "No, oh, Brendan LaFell!" Like I and and he's like, "What? What, what is, is wrong, wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, you don't. I was like, if oh I explain to you and explain that this is a work God. thing, you're gonna realize how ridiculous, <laughs> stupid it is. I love this stuff, though. It's I love it. It's so much fun. I love this stuff, and that's what makes fantasy fun. Tilting. Me. Anyways, all right. All right so, you know what else makes fantasy fun? Uh, what? The podcast? Bad singing. Oh, bad singing. Okay. How, so, how James, much, yeah, how I disagree. You, how did you discover this? And walk <laughs> us right. through this mashup that we're going to Oh, my God. First of all, you guys have no idea. The So, I, I've got, like... You know, I've got like 40 podcasts on my computer right now, okay? And I, I was trying to go through almost all of them, uh, trying to find themes in the podcast. Uh, the Grind, fo- Grinding the tape. Grinding tape on the podcast. <laughs> uh, the Fiery Phoner obviously was the easiest one because that was every Friday. You're you knew, welcome. You knew it was coming. And <laughs> there were already, <laughs> there already so many great moments in the phone. And I was like, okay, obviously that's going to be the first one. Um, and then I, I tr- tried to find some other themes. There are some – listen – Guys, listen to the podcast. Guys. I'm telling you, uh, we've got. Uh, I'm going to have a best of the podcast period. It's like it's going to be like the fantasy MVP award, but there are some amazing segments. But uh, <laughs> I needed to find some smaller things in the podcast themes that that uh, that we could share as well. Um, I start going through, and I'm like, wait a second, I have a ridiculous amount of singing clips, and they're all terrible. Ah. Oh. 
and they are all terrible. So now we will be voting for best of the worst singing of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. All right. Here we go. Best. Horrible. Singing. November 4. It's gonna be fun. That was that the insane. That I, it, like, like kind of, I didn't mean for it to sound that way, but I think, like, it's gonna just, be May. Yeah. It's gonna be May. <laughs> it just kind of came out that way, though. Wow. So, whatever. Oh, God. All right. Enough for you. Wait, nobody else? Gelhar's. Gelhar's music take. This, this is a summary of Gelhar's music takes. Boy band pop music, Hoobastank, and the most garbage hard rock metal possible. Hey, look. I felt like wrong. Everything. I, felt I just wrong. summed up everything. November 7. Nickelback did with the Oh, the... That hero can save Hero can save us. Oh, yeah. hero. I'm not going to stand here. Oh, God. <laughs> End the show please. right now. Yeah, let's, 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 End let's. the show. So I quote tweeted Marcus's picture with that <laughs> lyric. November 21. How do you make that voice come out of you? I'm very talented. There seems to be an issue. My mic uh, went off for a second. I'm sure that was an accident. Oh, yeah. It's a complete accident. <laughs> <laughs> My God. What? I feel like most of those... Why are were, these all... They're all Harmon, right? Those those hey, no, it's it's two Harmon and two... Well, two Harmon and two me, and because we, we joined in on yeah. the <gasps> one together. Yeah. Wow. No. Gelhar. Uh, so these are your three nominees. I Woo. think I just died. <laughs> I forgot about I forgot that I chimed in on the NSYNC one because I was like oh, I remember when Harmon did this and I was like oh no I did falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> These are your thrown out. Gelhar NSYNC is one nominee. Harmon Gelhar mashup Nickelback is your other nominee. Harmon with Wonderwall is your final nominee. Don't forget it was Harmon Gelhar Nickelback featuring Josie Scott from Saliva. <laughs> Wow, oh, man, that was deep. That, That's that, what it was. Those Spider-Man one soundtrack. That that addition there. I mean, like I was leaning that way, but that addition there. I mean, I feel like it's you know it was it was it was. The Spider-Man. A bad song by Spider-Man? a questionable band sung poorly. I feel like that's that's the winner. Here's the thing. Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Are, by the way, these are the three bands that were nominated, okay? <laughs> In sync, Nickelback featuring Josie Scott from Saliva. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> uh and Wonderwall. All irrelevant. Oasis. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Oasis. Oasis is good. All, Oasis is all good. irrelevant unless you're a 40-year-old dad. Oh. God. Right. oh. Oasis is not 40-year-old dad music. It kind of is. What it is it, is. Then? It what is it, then? It kind of is. Like for, no, not, d- not is, dad. Though. Like 40-year-old, no. life has passed him by. He's no. alone at a bar somewhere. No, no it, 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 it it's 40-year-old dad music that you pop on in front of your kids to be like, see, guys? I'm into your stuff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not to a total, I'm not a total dweeb. See, I listen to this. Back in my day, I listened to this on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's going to start the voting? Uh, I mean, isn't it easy? <laughs> I feel like it's got to be the Nickelback. It's got to be the Nickelback. It's got to be, be Nickelback. Can I? Can I? I don't know. I would, I, I would vote for Nickelback just because it had me laughing. But the best part of that mashup to me was Harmon describing Gelhar's musical. <laughs> That's why I was going to go with sing. I was crying well, during I mean, that just now. <laughs> that was just me reporting facts. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not facts. I don't Those know. It's close. Facts. I was I was going to vote in sync. That's my vote. I like no, my vote's the hero one, the Spider Man one. Spider Man. All right, yeah, so I feel like so terrible. I think I think Nickelback is the winner. Here. I think Nickelback's the runaway winner. Gilhar, is that is that your choice? I was I was a toss up between NSYNC because yeah. my own falsetto caught me by surprise. <laughs> 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 it was good. 
and then uh, and like and, I said, the breakdown of, uh, of, of your musical, musical taste, taste was yeah. also uh, was also quite strong. Was but but I think it's hard to to get away from yeah. the the, 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 orga- the that- organic duet because it features two trash artists and two trash <laughs> singers. And that was well. Speak, <laughs> well, speak for yourself. One, no. Uh, two. Uh, no, I've got video evidence of uh, otherwise. <laughs> well, that uh, when I'm singing when I'm singing on those bars, that doesn't oh, count. Man. I mean, I have a I have a no, no, no. We we uh, listen. We went to karaoke night, pal. Oh, oh yeah, we all have video evidence. We've got evidence of that. We've got visual evidence. Now that is, if that ever makes it out to the public, my God, <laughs> on multiple for multiple reasons. Yeah, man. <laughs> the listeners, <laughs> y'all don't know. All right, I think so. I think Nickelback's the runaway winner. Oh. I mean, yeah. it was a show ender. It was it's a showstopper. Show okay, yeah, it's a show we stopper. we were already at a really bad point in the podcast when that started. Much <laughs> like I feel like we're at now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you're, well, so your inaugural best of worst singing for the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. Uh, congratulations, Matt Harmon and uh, Alex Gilhar, for your rendition of uh, as they give each other an air high five of uh, Nickelback. Hey, we're solid. We're, we're, we're an achievement. <laughs> we're a great team. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to singing trash oh, music. Oh, boy. All right. So there you go. Let's get to Daily Daps and get out. Extra, extra. Read all about it. This is the Daily Daps and Hub. Oh, give me daps because I'll be scribbling right. Give me dabbing up daps about daps For a show that we don't have anything to talk about. We still, it's run pretty well. Yep, we talked we still still a lot. Down. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to point that out as well. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. All right. Daily Dap time. Give it to me. Matt Harmon. So I think my daily dap is going to be a little bit more sports related. I want to give okay. a dap to Eli Manning, uh, which sounds weird in this midst of this horrible season that he's yes. having. What? But I'm going to give a dap to Eli Manning for his ability to be actually somewhat funny in slapping down the the, the non story story of Odell and the boys on the boat. I love the fact that he just bit back with, you know. I was disappointed to see that they really didn't. Per- they weren't preparing well. I mean, they didn't even pack shirts for the trip. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really good. Nice. Uh, I th- uh, so I think I think that was done. nicely done. I think that was nicely done. It, just because I think this entire story is ridiculous. We were talking about this at lunch today. How it's yeah. How it's great. How the media is like. This, and I say this as media. I realize that I'm doing that thing that I hate. But like, it's just funny that so many people are like. The, the team has said this is not a story. It's not a big deal. Coach has said that. Quarterback has said that. But then people in some outlets are still like, yeah, but we're still going to talk about it. They're not telling the truth. Like, let's, It's definitely still a story. But like the team has said it's not a story, and I think Eli has done a really good job of being funny about that. Oh, boy. So he gets my dad. <sighs> MG, my guy, Marcus Grant? Um, I want to daily dab. I want to daily dab the Rose Bowl, like the game itself. Okay. I mean, not, not, obviously, you know, being there on Monday was a lot of fun, and it was great. But um, – just it reminded me how amazing it is as a sporting event yep. in and of itself. And just it's one of those things that it should be on your sports bucket list to do at some point. Um, and I, I say that because I was sort of like eh, so-so about actually going to the game. Um, anyone who lives in Los Angeles knows how much of a hassle it is to get to the Rose Bowl Stadium. It's awful. It's – I mean – it's you understand getting through Pasadena, which is just this kind of this sleepy little town, um, this little city, and it's in in a canyon in a residential neighborhood adjacent to a golf course where you have to park if you're not there like super early or have special parking. I mean, everything about it just seems like a nightmare. I felt kind of like I don't really know if I want to go, but my dad is coming to town and he really wants to go, so let's figure it out. And being there, um, 
on New Year's Day or around New Year's Day for that game and seeing just all the pageantry that goes in there and even just being in that stadium where it is, you know, half one team's color and half the other team's color and just the excitement and everything that goes into it. Um, yeah, it just reminded me that, that it's a really, really special thing to do. And if you are a sports fan of any stripe, that it is something that you should yeah. you should acquire to yeah, do. That's cool. You should you aspire to be there. And so, um, you know, c- congrats to them for putting on another great show. Uh, the game, uh, especially if you you know if you were a, even just a neutral party, it was just amazing to watch. Um, so yeah, daily dabs to the folks in Pasadena for for year in and year out for the was it the hundred and third year putting on a, a really great show. And maybe one day the Cal Bears can experience. Oh, oh, wow. wow. Where did it? Oh, yikes. <laughs> Unprovoked attack. <laughs> Unprovoked attack, man. Speaking of your, your boys, USC, breaking oh. news here on the podcast, uh, USC's quarterback Sam Darnold has won the Archie Griffin Award. Hey. College football's most valuable player for the entire season. First freshman to ever win it. That's Congratulations, amazing. Sam Darnold. I was I was happy for the, the conference. And here comes Marcus Grant. Just putting a blowtorch. What's up with that? Roasted. You'll get us back in basketball season. Oh, my God. That was just uncalled for. All right, WizKid, what's up? Uh, I'm going to adapt the movie Lion. It's uh, not out super wide, but if you live in a major city, you'll probably be able to check it out. It's uh, starring Dev Patel, who's in Slumdog Millionaire. Nicole Kidman's in it. Rooney Mara's in it. It was a surprisingly really good story, and I didn't realize at first that it was based on a true story. It's based on the book and of this guy who, as a child, uh, I think he was living in, in India, accidentally got on a passenger train that took him thousands away, miles away from his house. He was five years old, couldn't get off, didn't speak, it dropped him in Calcutta, didn't speak the English, survived a bunch of hardships, was in like a foster home, and was adopted by an Australian family. And then 25 years later, realizes, like, I need to try and go back and find my birth mother and my family and stuff. So it's his journey through all that as a child, and you get cool. him as an adult, and he's played by Dev Patel, and then his yeah. journey trying to find his home. Because he, I mean, he was five when he was on a train that traveled for three, like, two or three days. So he has this wide range of train stops in India he's trying to narrow down and find his family from. And it's a true story. It's, it was really well done. It's really cool. And it's, Dude, a, it's a smaller movie that's not getting as much uh, attention. It's been nominated for a bunch of awards, so hopefully it picks up some steam. But Wasn't there an ad for Google or something that had to do with that story? Probably. Well, because he used Google Earth like yeah. the actual person did. Google Earth had popped up shortly after this time because he was talking about it with people, and they were like, you should try and use really? Google Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he used Google Earth to help help find it. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. I haven't read the book. That's, that's kind of what's oh, okay. partially portrayed in the movie is him using Google Earth, so. All right, cool. But it's a really, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's you know, one a good heartwarming tale. As is, uh, you know, we need some of those once in a while. It's pretty cool. I will daily dap the uh, the GOP congressman's son, Roger Marshall's son. <laughs> ha! Did you guys see this? Yes. Yeah, Roger cool. Marshall was getting uh, sworn in at the nation's capital. It was Roger Marshall, who is a GOP congressman. Uh, it was House Speaker Paul Ryan swearing in Roger Marshall. Roger Marshall's son was there holding the Bible, and he then, during the photo op, proceeded to start dabbing. <laughs> how, how old repeatedly, is his son? Repeatedly. Oh, he's a teenager. He's a teenager, like 15 or 16 okay. or something. But, like, <laughs> it, it was so, the, the thing was so, he had one hand on the Bible, and the other hand was, he was dabbing. And Paul Ryan was so confused 
Paul Ryan asked him if he was all right and was wondering if he was – he was asking yeah. him, if, are you about to sneeze? <laughs> That's amazing. He didn't understand what was happening, but then they start doing the whole photo op and his arm still does not go down. Didn't Paul Ryan try to like force Basically him to just push yeah, so then, Physically so then, pushed his arm so down. So then Paul Ryan then physically pushed his arm down. Do you think, do you think Paul Ryan uh, – didn't know what he was doing. I think or, he didn't know. I don't think he knew. See, I I would present a different possibility. Yes, mm. in that he knew what the kid was doing and was trying to not so like to subtly say like, "Are you trying to sneeze right now?" Like, in the, like, are you really doing that yeah. in this moment? I think that's a potential. I don't know. I've looked at the video and like the look on Paul Ryan's face. He didn't look upset at first. He just was confused, like utterly, utterly <laughs> confused. I only heard the audio of it. I didn't see the video. So. It was amazing. That's great. It was amazing. It's all over the, the Twitters, so go find that. But but, uh, but Daily Daps to Roger Marshall's kid for taking that opportunity. That's awesome. Dabbing, which is just like, come on, dude. Dabbing lives. I know. It's great. I mean, talk about the most random place ever to go see a dab is at a GOP congressman swearing-in ceremony. <laughs> Pretty great. What? That's so That's awesome. awesome. That's great. All right, Franch, what you got? All right, I'm going to daily daps this show I've been watching on A&E. Um, it's a documentary about Scientology produced by Leah Remini, who's an yeah. actress. She a, was a former former Scientologist herself right. for yeah. at least 20 years, I think. Yeah. So it's basically uh, like a mini series, and each episode, basically she's meeting with people who, who either were high up in the church of Scientology or had been in the Church of Scientology for 20, 30 years and have left. Yes. And they're, all of their individual stories of tragic loss and sadness and just being disconnected from family members and trying to reunite and how the Church of Scientology holds people back from having personal relationships. <clears throat> and it's crazy. It's emotional. It's so uh, eye-opening and enlightening yeah. as to a sham the sham that right. the Church of Scientology is, and it just brainwashes people. Um, and there was this documentary a few years ago on HBO, I think it was called Going Clear, that basically, it was like two and a half hours, that was basically like, this is who L. Ron Hubbard is, like his life, the guy who started Scientology. Right. It kind of brings you through what Scientology is about, is about. And this is very different, where it's like these people's personal stories, and they're crying on camera, and like just wearing their heart on their sleeves about, what they've gone through and how crazy it is, and I can it's, imagine it's ridiculous. I haven't seen it, but I, I can imagine it's a it, it's got to be a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, Liam the, Remini uh, has talked about openly about how uh -huh. emotional uh, of a journey it's been for her to kind of leave the the Church of Scientology for sure. And once you leave, like they come after you, right? They right, spy right. on you and they try to make your life hell. And living in Hollywood, like they own a bunch of buildings, a very large, a lot of very on, large buildings. On my Hollywood. way to the gym, I walk past like the L. Ron Hubbard Theater every day, and it's like really surreal just like seeing the propaganda and stuff. I, I wonder if we have any Scientologist listeners that's interesting I don't, I don't know they're not allowed to like listen to to podcasts media outside <laughs> media no it's like a thing like All right. they scare you into not reading press that's negative about Scientology that's interesting when you're in there mm. okay well. and if they do come if they do and are listening come at me bro <laughs> Sorry. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> ah, well, you can come at him. Come at me, is about to get disappeared. So. It's just really good. You guys should watch it. It's awesome. It's on A and E. It's called Scientology and the Aftermath. That's interesting. Sick. That's interesting stuff. All right, so there you go. Big, good show today. Good random, show. beefy, out of nowhere. I like it. For MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, Matt Harmon, Matt Franciscovich, and Alan Skelhar. I'm James Cole. We're out. See you later.
James needs that Clip Nation money. He's used, his life's getting cushy over there now with that. <laughs> Walking in with cupcakes and shit. <laughs> in his fancy clothes. Button-up shirt. Yeah, his shirt's tucked in, too. Wearing a watch. What's yeah. happening today? Yeah, look at that. How much did that watch cost? Like $500? What? This one? I'm going to go with $500. Yeah, it probably was $500. Bucks. <laughs> actually, I think you're right, actually. I think I bought it on sale for $500. Bucks, yeah. yeah I was wow. Like, wow. So I guess Clip Nash plays, pays well, huh? I <laughs> got <laughs> 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 This one, the last offseason. Not sure about that. Right. Can't prove it. Uh, no. just, not, quite, not, not quite my narrative. Let's, quite see, let's see the receipt, bro. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm just saying, making all this basketball money right. while us football people are just withering away. Withering away. I don't know withering. where my I don't know where my next meal is coming from. <laughs> 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 my first day off, I'm going to be in the in the streets of Hollywood, scrounging change from the yeah, sidewalk. Wow. You're not maybe, living. Maybe not, the burrito truck will have some have some drop. I mean, to you're not even out. you're not even living paycheck to pay. You're living day to day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You wouldn't you wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Saving for a wedding. <laughs> By far the least of the common man here. Wow, that escalated yeah. quickly. I apologize, James. Where'd you get wow. your haircut too? Who styled it for you? Who yeah. styled it? I, I actually got my haircut. I I actually get this is this is the rich getting richer. I get free haircuts. Wow. wow. From the, from talent services. Wow. In the oh, makeup room. Talent cool. services. Yeah. Serviced. <laughs> Talent. You get service. That looks like some expensive product in yeah, your hair, too. Yeah, probably. It's it's crude. James, oh, isn't, sure. it, isn't it amazing? Not, that's like $20 a can. These two pile on. Oh, I, I, they do this to me all the time like, at our desks. Like, like because one this, of them gets a nibble. This shtick has like, been. <laughs> this shtick is well practiced. <laughs> and then they, just, they trade back and forth as they feast on your flesh. Yes. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring... Your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.